Hey pal, how, how you, you doing? doing? I'm living no. the dream. You're living the dream. Good. Yeah, how good, you, good, how good, you good. doing? I am wonderful because it's cooler. It's crisper day. It's I've been kind of waiting for this kind of California. We I feel like we jumped right into the warm weather, and I always I like a I like a little cool crisp, you know crispness. Yeah, crispness. That's good. Like well, my te- apples. Still technically winter. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So I mean, it, it should be. We'll get a couple right. more crisp days before. Are we, we some al- rain tomorrow? Are we almost to daylight saving? Yeah, it's Sunday. Like this, it's this weekend. Sunday, it? Sunday, Sunday, yeah. Sunday, 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 this Sunday only. Well, we do have a guest waiting in the wings. What? So we, I don't want to oh make him. Oh my gosh, there he is. He's right, there, right the there. He's in the camera. For the ones who watch the show, there's just a guy sitting there watching yeah. us. That's always just hanging out. Yeah, just hanging out. Just bombed you. Just chilling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even invite him. He just found the link. Yeah, that's, hey, you know like, what? Hey. However we get guests. How's it going, guys? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that do works. you want some of our cold weather? Yes. 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 We've, we've got more than enough Where are uh, you? here in the New York area. Uh, so I'm based uh, in the New York area. I live in Connecticut. Okay. Uh, February was brutal. Yes. Uh, where I live, it was below freezing all month. We had no less than a foot of snow nonstop. It's just now, uh, today, like we peaked at 50 degrees. In oh, my gosh. Oh, well, 50 quite can be quite lovely when yeah. you're used to, when I'll, you're I'll used take to 50. freezing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, when you're used to freezing, because we've had to work in, in the freezing before. If after a good couple weeks of it, when you suddenly get a 40 degree day, it's like t-shirts. You're almost like t-shirts it's and like shorts. Wear my shorts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the the voice that our audience is hearing right now, yeah. I'm I'm excited. That's your voice. They're hearing. Right it's now. not. No, they are hearing my voice now. Yeah. But the voice they heard moments ago moments was ago. not me, and no. it was not you. It, no. was, it was our guest. Yes. Uh, we would like to welcome to the BioFriendly Podcast, Paul Sutter. <laughs> Astrophysicist, scientist, author, speaker, educator, uh, man's man, baby. Man's man. Dude. <laughs> dude. A dude, bro. Man about town. So he's joining Science us from dude. the East Coast. And and welcome to the BioFriendly Podcast, Paul. Welcome. Yeah. Hello from the great white frozen north. Yeah. 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 Yes. You guys definitely got caught up in the, uh, in the, in the, the winter snap that hit almost all, the entire country. Oh, it was it was nasty. Uh, we had a there was one windstorm. We had a couple days without power. Oh, uh, trees are down everywhere. It's it's been a pretty gross winter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Have you lived out yeah. on the East Coast your whole life? Is that where you're born and raised? Uh, no, actually, I just moved to the New York area about two years ago, and I grew up in the Midwest in Ohio. And when I moved out of there, I went down to college in Florida for a couple of years, and then I came out to California, got oh. my bachelor's in physics from the uh, California Polytechnic State University in San Luis Obispo. Oh, uh, you and are the I... second Cal Poly slow person. Third, actually. Yes. 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 My my brother actually went to Cal Poly San Luis Go Obispo. Go Mustangs. Yeah. Yes, that's I, think, awesome. I think that was our team. Yeah, that was, was a little bit busy guys. at the time. Yeah. <laughs> you had things to <laughs> yeah. do. You had <laughs> physics to plan. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I had worlds to destroy, you know, suns yes. to blow up, you know, the that's usual. Absolutely. Uh, and then I this went to uh, Illinois, the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign oh for my PhD work. That's where uh, Here's where I went to school. I went uh, to University of a, Illinois. Fighting Illini. The Fighting Illini. I went there. I was... Uh, for my my undergrad though, so I was I was there from ninety seven to two thousand one was when got I, it, I went got there. it got it got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I was also a little bit too busy to go to football games. <laughs> yeah, as, I didn't either. Yeah. I, I was a theater boy, so I was over in the Cranard oh, nice. Center. Uh, Cranard the, Center. Cranard Center and the I was, Armory I was down doing in, theater. Uh, I was down on Loomis Lab. 
Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah, I know where that what? is. This world gets it's tinier down on Green every Street. Podcast. It's just one of those artifacts from the Cold War. Yeah. It's, but, it's it was not a pretty building before yeah. before we dive into subject i just have to ask because my so i don't even know if it's still there anymore but my hangout when i was at u of i was murphy's pub and it was around on green street until i left it was it still there when you went there yeah murphy's pub uh, would they do the irish nachos where they yeah. give you waffle fries and then yeah. load it down <laughs> Yeah, that's a Saturday night treat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool. I love these worlds audience. colliding. That's so fantastic. <laughs> but we can get, we don't have to sit here and reminisce about our college uh, towns. We're back no, in my day. The audience <laughs> wants to know about space, Jacob. That's true. Well, we normally on the Biofriendly podcast, this is a unique guest because we normally keep everything on the ground. We yeah. normally keep everything hmm. right here on planet Earth. But yes. today we have an astrophysicist. We have a guy who deals with space. So yeah. we're, we're leaving. We're, we're leaving we're Earth. Getting, we're, we're getting out of the we're planet with this place. Getting the yes. heck out of Dodge, and we're going up into mm. space, and we're going to hear about what led Paul into this world that you work in, or out of this world yeah, that you why, work in. Why, why space? Why astrophysics? Yeah. yeah that's, that's actually a really fun question, because... I distinctly remember growing up uh, not having a time in life when I wasn't interested in all sorts of science. So I was reading about biology. I was reading about dinosaurs. I was reading about chemistry. I was reading about physics and astronomy. I was just like, I just remember voraciously absorbing every book my parents would get me as yeah. I grew up. But I, I never realized as a middle schooler, as a teenager, when I was picking a college, I never realized that being a scientist was like something that I could do. Right. I'd always, I swear, I always assumed that uh, scientists were, always, were smarter than me. And yes, right. I can read these books and I can enjoy it, but like, I'm not going to actually do it. Yeah. Um, so I was a total computer nerd. So I went into computer programming. That's why I went down to Florida, Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. Okay. Wasn't feeling it there. So I transferred to Cal Poly again as a computer science major. I was in my third year of college and I took an elective in astronomy and fell in love with it. Got to understand the math behind the science for the first yeah. time. And it's yeah. such a different experience to, to understand the science from just a lay perspective or like a popular science perspective and then understand the science from a mathematical perspective. Yeah. And yeah. I started to just absorb it and want to learn more. And I would talk to the professor all the time. And then one time he said, like, you know, Paul, you can – you, you can be a scientist if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's stopping you. <laughs> Nobody's stopping you. But it is, no, right? It's like on a pedestal, right? It's one of those things yeah. that it's put on a pedestal. Well, and I was like, no. And he's yeah. like, yeah. And I'm like, no. And he's like, sure. Like, try. Like, switch majors. <laughs> and in, 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 in less than a week, I switched majors to physics. And, and I never looked back. And then uh, when it came, to, and I had no plan. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. I just switched majors to physics. It was... Uh, the physics classes I took were like the hardest classes I had ever taken. Yeah, of course. Entire, of they course. Were nasty. Uh, <laughs> I was like tears after exams. And, uh, but I felt like I was finally being challenged. I was finally uh, growing and learning something new. Eventually, I decided to go into grad school. I went into grad school, got accepted by Illinois, and got to pick 
where I wanted to go. Like, did I want to go into astrophysics or cosmology? Did I want to go into high energy particle physics? Did I want to study string theory? Did I want to study chaos theory? You know, like there's, uh, it's right. a very large, very well-respected department. So there are lots of top flight people there uh, to study under. And after a con- few conversations with a few potential advisors, I rekindled that love of space that I always had and went into astrophysics. So PhDs in physics, but I specialized in in cosmology, large-scale structure of the universe, astrophysics systems, Uh, went on to do, um, again, with no plan, like I went into grad school, like I'll give this a shot, got my PhD, then spent three years at the Paris Institute of Astrophysics in France, and then two years in the Trieste Observatory in Italy, uh, back to Columbus, Ohio, uh, near where I grew up, where I had a position at the Ohio State University, and then also as the chief scientist at the Science Center there. Started really growing my outreach and communication, found a a love and passion for that. And two years ago, like I mentioned, moved to the New York area. And I still maintain some research lines, but most of my life now is dedicated to writing books and hosting TV shows and uh, sitting behind this microphone way too much. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Totally. Getting getting the word out about about space and why it's rad. Yeah, Yeah, it is. It is rad. And, you know, I wouldn't, you mentioned nasty physics. And I thought if there was a class called nasty, nasty physics, physics i would have enrolled like oh, all yeah. all they need to do to lure people in is just some kind of racy titles you know like come nasty come take physics. nasty physics i feel like if you went to a nasty physics dance the class you'd spend the whole time dancing oh yeah i would yeah. i would definitely they would like, be, like, you'd be uh, like is that not what this is M- I mr given like, i'm gonna need you to sit down this is yeah. not a dance class yeah yeah Maybe. No, that sounds that sounds amazing. So now you do the hosting thing, the educating thing, mm-hmm. and you you kind of help people access and understand this you know this thing of science that seems so far away, but um, it's uh, something you've yeah, been able to I pursue. Yeah, I try to communicate, especially to kids, that like, guess what? You can be a scientist too. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. You're in luck. It this is, this show is listened to by ch- kids. They love it. Lots of them. Hi, kids. Yeah. Lots of them. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, yeah. kids. Yeah, kids Outside, love it. Outside, there are no jobs, but that's a different that's a different show. <laughs> <laughs> you can be a scientist. There's no work, but you can be a scientist. <laughs> you can still be a scientist. <laughs> Follow your dreams. <laughs> that's great. So, all right, we're an environmental show, so we'll probably kick it off with just like a just a basic starting question, which is. Is there, is there, okay, how would you relate what we're doing to our in, environment, you know, and, and how that affects, how, how can we be inf- affected by what we're doing in the environment uh, in terms of, of like space? Like what, one thing I, I, I uh, you know, one thing I've been, I've been, been hearing about it, I saw a YouTube video, so it's obviously a quality source. <laughs> right. um, but oh, basically yeah. that the, yeah. that the, uh, the, the poles are, have been, are moving at like 23, the magnetic poles are moving like 23 miles a year or something mm-hmm. like that. And that there's evidence that they're starting to flip and that, that we may have more than one magnetic pole at a time for a while. And that that has an effect on us and, and our, our, how we resist the sun and things like that. Is that a, is that is that a thing? Is that, yeah. Yeah. Is that conspiracy <laughs> YouTube stuff? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. What channel was this? No. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So no, 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 no. <laughs> it, the, the basic gist is right, and uh, it, that's a helpful way to think about the fact that the Earth is not an isolated system. 
You know, right. it, it's not just our oceans and our atmosphere and our, our biomes and our human activity. There, there's a lot going on both inside the earth and outside the earth that affect us, that yeah. affect our climate, that affect our seasons, that affect uh, our weather. One of those, like you mentioned, is our magnetic field, which is generated in the molten core of the earth. It's a spinning ball of molten iron. And so it generates this super strong magnetic field. One of the strongest magnetic fields in the solar system, nice. but because it's a spinning ball of molten iron, it's not exactly stable and it like folds in <laughs> on itself and there'll be turbulence and it will uh, shut off and, and come back on. It will reverse. Um, our North magnetic pole is scooting across Northern Canada as we speak. Uh, it's been doing this for a while. We think that every few 10,000 years, our magnetic field shuts off and then reappears with its poles reversed. Um, this is a very common thing. The magnetic field of the earth does protect us in our atmosphere against uh, a few things. It protects against the solar wind, which right. is this stream of charged particles constantly emanating from the sun. It's just blowing through the solar system. Right. And uh, the solar wind hits our magnetic field, gets wound up by our magnetic field lines, and gets dumped into the poles. And that's what gives us our northern and southern lights, the aurora. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, but yeah. then there are also um, like high energy cosmic rays that are blasted out by like supernova going off millions of years ago that are just now entering the solar system. And our magnetic field helps is one of the things that helps protects us against those that deadly form of radiation. Sure. Yeah. Wow. So, so our solar winds are different than summer winds, like when Frank Sinatra sings about, you know, summer winds coming in. So it's different. These aren't the same thing. Yeah, different. the first version was about solar winds, but um, <laughs> wasn't it? they decided to edit it in post. So <laughs> the solar story. winds <laughs> come swimming <laughs> in. So. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, ah, that, that, that's fascinating. That's fascinating, So, so yeah. what, what else... Uh, what so like the magnetic so if that if that does disappear for a while do we have other defense against uh, the I mean just from um, our atmosphere know, or more are we just sunblock gonna, more sunblock pretty much <laughs> <laughs> no, sunblock three thousand. Yeah. The, the good thing, good, the good news is that the is the magnetic field changes over the scale of thousands of years. So Got it. Yeah. we don't have to worry about it right now. And even if it shut off, we still have other defense mechanisms against cosmic rays, like our thick atmosphere right. absorbs a lot of those cosmic rays. So we'll be okay. I'm not too worried about our magnetic field. That's All great. right. Like sometimes our sun, uh, well, like here's a cool fact, like our sun uh, steadily gets brighter and hotter as it ages. So the dinosaurs yeah. knew a colder, smaller sun than we know today. And in wow. fact, in as little as a few hundred million years, our sun is going to be too hot. It's going to evaporate our atmosphere and boil our oceans away. So Good night, kids. Wow, just a <laughs> couple hundred million years away. That, we, that'll be like we yeah, keep it's be there open. before it's we like know tomorrow. it. Tomorrow, yeah. yeah. that is. I mean, on, on a cosmic scale, right? That's 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 no, it, no time at all. Essentially, yeah, we are yeah. we are in the last like major epoch for the possibility of life on Earth. Well, I feel wow. like in all the dinosaur movies, they really blew the whole like sunlight thing. It should have always been kind of more low light, kind of candlelit a scenes. More romantic, yeah, you think? like like a, yeah, you know, yeah. like that kind of look. Yeah, it's a dimmer sun. No, I, I'm I, saying. I, I hear you. Although, okay, but here's an interesting thing though. So, but it was hotter back then. 
uh, on the planet when the dinosaurs are around than it is mm-hmm. now, uh, just because of how the atmosphere is, which is something that's relatable to, to our topic. And something right. we hear a lot is, uh, is, you know, you don't, and this is obviously an exaggeration, or I think it is, <laughs> but, um, you know, you don't want to turn Earth into Venus because Venus is an example of the greenhouse effect gone, gone crazy. Does that? Uh, oh yeah. I mean, that's yeah. So you want to oh. kind of explaining that a little bit for our, our fans with, the, with gr- how Venus kind of oh, is the greenhouse. Oh yeah, effect Ven- Venus. Yeah. Venus is hell. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. <laughs> Great album name, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Venus used to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, billions of years ago, we're pretty sure that Venus had liquid water oceans. It had a relatively thin atmosphere. Uh, it had like white fluffy clouds and like little really? bunnies hopping around. It was a great place. Yeah. But as the sun got steadily brighter, it got mm-hmm. too hot for Venus. And, and that's exactly what we're worried about happening with the Earth. If we increase our, our greenhouse emissions beyond a certain critical threshold, what happened to Venus was that things got a little bit warm. So the oceans started to evaporate. And that put more water vapor in the atmosphere. That water vapor in the atmosphere was a greenhouse gas, gas, so trapped more heat, which evaporated more oceans, which trapped more heat, which evaporated more oceans. Soon enough, all the oceans dried up. All that water is up in the atmosphere. And without that lubrication, we think that uh, Venus used to have plate tectonics, but then it shut down. Right. And plate tectonics play a critical role in in pulling carbon out of the atmosphere where the carbon binds to like silicates and rocks and stuff. And yeah. then it goes down into um, the mantle and then helps sequester that carbon. But without the plate tectonics, the carbon just hangs out in the atmosphere. Volcanoes are going, you know, carbon is leaking out of rocks and just, and so the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere of Venus begins to build and build and build. And then you end up, you fast forward a hundred million years, you end up with a planet with an atmosphere that has a, a pressure a hundred times greater than the earth. You have a planet with surface temperatures greater than 800 degrees Fahrenheit. That is hot enough to melt lead. In oh, fact, wow. it's the hottest surface temperature in the solar system, even though Mercury is even closer to the sun than Venus. And it's just this, this horrible, horrible world. And so with our human greenhouse emissions, I'm not exactly worried about us turning into a Venus, but it's the exact same physics of we're worried about these kinds of positive feedback loops that lead to more greenhouse gases, that lead to more warming, that lead to more greenhouse gases, and it becomes very, very difficult to stop. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, that's wild. I am learning so much right now. I'm kind of, you know what I mean? Totally. I love the way you put it, man. Yeah, this is awesome. great. This yeah. is great. And then we, we're, we're in your JPL here, uh, and, and someone from JPL once told us that the, 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 the fun things about the difference between landing something on Venus and landing something on Mars is on Mars, it's, uh, I think, like five, five or ten minutes of, 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 uh, of you know, terror. Of insanity, terror, ten minutes of terror. But Venus is two hours of boredom or something, like because it's like the, the atmosphere Such is... Such a thick atmosphere. Yes, yeah. it's like, like, it's like hand sanitizer. into Venus right. at orbital velocity, and that, like just your uh, drag from your body will make you land safely on there. Now, you'll melt... Because of the extreme temperatures. And also, did I mention that the atmosphere has tons of sulfuric acid? You know, yeah, acid so, rain. so you'll which dissolve is lovely and you'll melt. You'll dissolve like and melt. It's not great for you, but... Like, yeah. technically, like, parts of you will land. 
Right. Yeah. So, right. so my, my atomized form or whatever, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get exactly. there eventually. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. So, okay, but before we leave Venus and go, go elsewhere, what is there, is there any conceivable way uh, to, to start a reaction that would reverse it and make it livable again? Or is it just... Hopeless. There have been a few proposals, especially back in the day before we really knew a lot about uh, Venus's atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, but if you wanted to make Venus hospitable, um, you need to get rid of the atmosphere. You know, you need to yeah. you need to you need to sequester as much carbon as possible. You need to pull that carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. So if you can say seed the atmosphere with something that binds to carbon dioxide, it makes it heavy and rain down to the surface. That might do the trick. Right. But what's interesting about Venus and why some people still talk about it. Yeah. is that as you go higher up in the atmosphere, the temperatures get lower and lower and lower. Yeah. And there's a band in the atmosphere. I forget the exact idea. It might be like um, 20 kilometers up where the temperatures are like room temperature. And the really? atmospheric pressure is like Earth's atmospheric pressure. Interesting. I mean, it's still carbon dioxide and sulfuric acid, like nonstop. <laughs> acid, that right? Like still it's still horrible, yeah. Right. Yeah. but it's like slightly less horrible than the surface. So if you were to want to live on Venus, you're going to need like the Lando Calrissian cloud city. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. That's what we need. That'd be kind of fascinating. Yeah, I just pretty... do that. Hey, yeah. NASA. Uh, nice. yeah, NASA, build the cloud city. <laughs> I'm actually really stoked that we're starting on Venus because I feel like Venus is not getting the press anymore. Like Mars is hogging the spotlight. Right. You know what I mean? Mars like you're, right. you guys are shining the light on <laughs> Venus and everybody's talking about Mars. Wait, what did he say? Mars missing... always hogs the spotlight. <laughs> yes. Mars, totally does. Mars, Mars, Mars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody, everybody thinks, see Mars by contrast, right? Is that, is that planet that everyone thinks, well, if we can just do a couple things, we can, we can actually terraform it. We can turn it into someplace livable. And we can plant seems, potatoes out possible. of our poop. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the, the, potatoes, the, down, right. the problem is you can't. Really? Really? Yeah, it's Oh, here we go. So, Bring the heat, Paul. So, um, I wish I could to terraform <laughs> Mars, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, so so uh, what you need to do, so Mars, the problem with Mars is the reverse of Venus. We also right. think Mars used to have liquid water oceans, a right. decent thick atmosphere, warm temperatures. But what happened was Mars is that its core cooled off and its magnetic field shut down. And then the solar wind blew away its atmosphere. And then the whole place dried up. Yeah. Wow. Current Martian atmosphere, again, carbon dioxide, the universe like really likes carbon dioxide, right. um, is less than 1% of the air pressure of the Earth. So wow. in order to terraform Mars and in order to make it more interesting and Earth-like, you have to warm it up. You have to increase the air temperature and you have to use, or sorry, increase the atmospheric pressure. Use that increased pressure to warm up the planet. You need to do this whole greenhouse cycle again, right. uh, this time on purpose, to warm up Mars. Wow. If you look around on the Martian surface, like, hey, is there any carbon that we can dump in the atmosphere? Is there any water that we can turn into vapor? There is. There's a lot. Uh, the northern and southern polar ice caps of Mars are made of frozen water and frozen carbon dioxide. There's a bunch of carbon locked up in the rocks of Mars, you know, some of it frozen, some of it chemically bound. The problem is that if you were to release every molecule of carbon dioxide, every molecule of H2O into the atmosphere, you are only going to roughly double the air pressure. 
So, so instead you're of being one percent of the okay, Earth's Earth pressure, it's only it's going to be two percent. Wow! That will give you around a ten degree warming, which is not much considering that the average temperature is like, like negative eighty. Right. Yeah. You're going to get to negative seventy for all your work. That is not enough to um, go out on the surface on ex- uh, totally exposed. If you're exposed on the Martian surface, it's like vacuum. All your sweat and oils instantly uh, boil away and evaporates and cause skin damage, and it's pretty miserable. Like there just isn't enough stuff on Mars in order to build to build that thick atmosphere. So you have to import it from somewhere else. You have to like crash comets on it. So you have um, this like large comet crashing a, a freeway basically in order to pull it off. Just like yeah, just, you need like trains oh. of comets that are <laughs> crashing in. They release their ammonia. Um, yeah. Comets have a lot of ammonia in them. Yeah. Uh, the ammonia itself acts as a greenhouse gas, traps some heat. Then ultraviolet radiation from the sun hits the ammonia, disassociates it into nitrogen, which is a nice thing to make an atmosphere out of yeah um so yeah we just have to develop the technology to haul in comets from the outer solar system and crash them on mars no big deal armageddon no big yeah bruce willis Willis. you get them you Uh, get a bunch of oil rig drilling guys and you mm -hmm, throw them mm -hmm. on a comet and that we know that works we've 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 already proven it and we don't want to miss a documentary you saw the documentary (laughs) you saw the documentary right so now ammonia that's what windex is made of right yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that so that we'll have a cleaner cleaner Mars too. Okay. At the same time. This is great. Yeah. This is a, this is gonna work. This is gonna work. This is gonna <laughs> work. Get Bruce Willis. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Willis. With his Windex. Mm-hmm. And then we're sure gonna crash a bunch of comets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, this yeah. is good. This is no problem. Wow. So so there. Okay. Well, one of the things I was gonna ask is, do you think there's any any danger of uh you know we we've already you know we're 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 doing what we are with this planet um yeah is there. <laughs> Part of me wonders: Should we be messing around on other planets until we've figured out what you know how to take care of this one? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's but, that's a valid, that's a very valid argument. Like, there's always going to be arguments against space travel, right? Uh, because it's expensive, it's hard, the payoffs aren't immediate and obvious. Uh, meanwhile, we have like kids starving and right. you know social justice issues to take care of, and the environment and, and climate change. Overall, though, the amount of money that we spend on fundamental research, on NASA, on space exploration is pocket change. There was a year uh, during the height of the second Iraq war where we spent more money on air conditioners for tents than we did on NASA. Wow. Wow. Uh, the, The first round of the COVID relief bill, you know, the one passed last year. Yeah. We spent more money in that one a relief package than NASA has ever gotten in its entire history. Holy smokes. That's crazy. So, so, so we don't, we really don't spend a lot of money on NASA. So when people will say, I, you know, if we cancel NASA, your taxes would be exactly the same. Right. We're not, right. you're not, yeah. this is like a rounding error on the federal budgets. Like half a percent of the federal budget goes to NASA right. uh, and NASA through NASA, we fund like all of our space activities. Yeah. And then, as we've been seeing and watching with delight over the past 10 to 20 years, private companies are yeah. starting to up their game with space. Like we have SpaceX, we have Blue Origins, we have Virgin Orbit. You know, we have all these companies that are using their private money. Which is so uh, cool. And in the money of investors to launch yeah. rockets, to build reusable rockets, to like want to go to Mars. And then it's like, I don't want anyone judging me on how I spend money. 
Right. Uh, right. You know, I don't want people judging me on how much cheese I buy. Right. I'm not, right. Don't it's not your business. So, so like if a bunch of super rich people want to build some rockets to Mars, more power to you. Yeah. Why stop them? Yeah. yeah well, and, and there's also, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you answered that way. Cause I, I love the idea of space travel. I'm a Star Trek nerd. And me Star too. Wars. I want to so, go. You know, getting, I want to go. Right. Getting out the, well, I also up? think that the I more, do. the more we, uh, the more we do that, the more we'll learn. Right. The, you know, if we if we ever if we, we ever did get into a position where uh, where we're we're forced to have to uh, to terraform something else, we better know how to operate in space, or we're we're just forget about it. We're done. I yeah. mean, we've only got a hundred million years, and the sun's going to be too right. too hot. Right. It's going to be too hot. We got to figure out how to get Clock's off. Clock sticking, folks. Yeah. So <laughs> so we get to that. All right. Cool. Okay. So all right. Just because I I love this topic so much, so let's go a little farther out into the into the solar system, and uh, and and let's start looking at the moons of uh, of Jupiter and Saturn. Right. Aren't let's there some pretty fun moons that show some possibility of at least being able to be able to park there for a second oh yeah so the the moons yeah. of the giant planets yeah are the like ultimate surprise uh just package that nobody realized would ever be interesting so you, let's take a look at say europa europa is the second largest moon of yeah. mm-hmm. Jupiter. And you look at its surface and you're like, whatever. It's it's a bunch of ice, frozen water ice. It's yeah. all it's got a bunch of cracks and fissures, and, and like it looks pretty cool. Like if I were to show you a picture of it, you're like, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also pretty boring. Right. But Europa and a lot of moons out there in the outer solar system have a secret. Okay. And the secret is that buried underneath that ice this shell of ice, there is a globe spanning liquid water ocean. What? And not just a little bit of water. We think the ocean on Europa is up to a hundred miles thick. Wow. There is more more liquid water on Europa than there is on the earth. That's outstanding. That just blew my mind. That's insane. And Europa's not alone. Uh, Callisto might have a liquid water ocean. Enceladus might have a liquid water ocean. Titan might have a liquid water ocean. Triton might have a liquid water ocean. Even Pluto might have a liquid water ocean underneath its crust. That is wild. That's amazing. Uh, that is absolutely yeah. amazing. And so, where there's liquid water, there's the potential for life. Well, that's what I was going to yeah. say. If you, could, if you can drill down deep enough and get into it, you might be able to find something. Yeah, it's just 100 miles of rock hard ice. Well, you, know who could, you know Bruce who could drill? Willis. Bruce Willis. He's really great. Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. And the guys comes are back to Bruce Willis. What can't on, that guy do? <laughs> they're already on a comet. What you do is you get him. <laughs> you, you, you send Bruce Willis to comet. You drop him off on Europa so he can drill the hole. And then you pick him back up on your way back into the solar system. Yeah. I have a disastrous idea for the solar system if you're an environmentalist. Okay. Are we ready for well, it? Well, let's hear it. It's, it's a, it's there's terrible. nothing like a green podcast that tells you the worst this idea. This is the worst thing we could do. Good. As, Good. as here's, here's, here's what okay. we do. Okay. So we, uh, we, we put some kind of sail okay. on Europa. Yeah. And then we throw it out of, the, uh, out of orbit of Jupiter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we push that sucker and we crash it into Mars and get all that liquid water. <laughs> wow. <laughs> It's a great Mars. idea. What you need and then we terraform Mars. is you need Bruce Willis. <laughs> yes, and a nuclear bomb. And a nuclear bomb. This is a good Hollywood script, I got to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. Good, we sometimes will go a little bit too far on too these things. Far, but yeah. yes. No, it's fine. We yeah. don't know if there's life on Europa, but like if you're ranking the places where life might appear in our solar system, yeah. the icy moons of the giant worlds are at the top of the list. So now yeah. how cold are those, though? They're, they're probably pretty, pretty chilly. Pretty Arctic, yeah. 
Well, well, the surfaces are are below freezing, incredibly, incredibly cold. Uh, we're yeah, talking right. like negative 200, negative 300 degrees. Okay. But the interiors, the very cores are hot. And that's because as these moons orbit the giant planets, they orbit yeah. in, in these uh, big elliptical paths and so uh they get stretched and squeezed from from tidal action uh um, from those giant planets and this heats up the core so the core of europa is molten and then the surface is freezing cold and in the liquid water ocean it's warm enough for liquid water right it's gotta be you're right water temperature all right Wow! So grab your swimsuit. That yeah, that's the, head that's to Europa. It. That's where we'll we'll all turn head into mer people. That's it. We'll turn into mer <laughs> people. Great ice fishing. There. Yeah, great ice great fishing. Ice fish. What what are some of the things that you've learned in your years uh, in this line of work that you think more people should know about about our solar system, about space, or a planet in particular? Things that you know you you tell a group of people or crowd, and they literally I mean you you've already told several things on the show that I'm like <laughs> my mind is blown. But I, I wanted to know if there were any other other kind of unsung heroes or things about our our galaxy that that are cool to mention. Uh, yeah, I think. One of the threads that I've uh, always clung on to as my career as a scientist, as a science communicator, uh, one of the things that always draws me uh, and fascinates me about the universe is is the true universality of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I write down an equation uh, or, or develop some law of physics, that law of physics or that understanding applies throughout the universe, through all space and time. And so if we understand how, say, a hydrogen atom works here in a laboratory on the Earth, well, then we know how a hydrogen atom works on the other side of the galaxy. We can apply that knowledge. We can extend our understanding, our consciousness to, to encompass the entire universe. We can write down equations on a chalkboard that summarize and accurately model and predict the entire history of the universe over 13.8 billion years. Like, how did, how, how did we get to be able to do that? Yeah. Right? So how cool, cool is that? It that is we so can cool. grapple with these kinds of scales in both space and time and come to terms with them and make predictions and measurements and observations. Yeah. Uh, just that universality of science is something that I absolutely love about cosmology, about astrophysics, about physics and science itself and something that I try to communicate in everything I do. Yeah. That's terrific. That's exactly what I was looking for. Cause I am literally over here just going, I'm Keanu Reevesing so hard. I'm just, yeah. whoa. I'm just like, Oh, so you're not walking out with a gun. No, no, no. I'm not John Wick. Different Keanu. Different, 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 different okay. Keanu. This is, more, this is more like early nineties. Uh, yeah. This Keanu. is nineties okay. Keanu, not modern John Wick. Keanu. Yeah. Although I do love modern John I Wick. Do, I do. I do. He's a lot it's of fun. Really fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Just don't, just don't hurt his dog. Don't hurt his dog. Don't mess with his dog. No. Or they'll he'll put a, book in your face and yeah. keep punching it <laughs> exactly It'll just keep punching it for starters yes that's, but, that's, 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 but anyway that's, i i want to okay so you obviously i wanted to pass it back to you if you had any other questions because we are we have already kept paul here for a little bit so we need to start wrapping things up but okay well we'll just we'll we'll speed through i'll go back to okay. all right well, i'm okay. gonna go back to the sun now i keep fl- flying back and forth okay. okay all right so so uh solar flares mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. a friend of ours another incredibly reliable source Yes. Uh, said that like something around the 1800s, uh, there were there was a solar flare that took out would have taken out the entire power grid, but at the time it didn't matter because we didn't have one. Uh, 
what are what are, is that is that true? <laughs> and if that's true, uh, what are, what are, what is the likelihood of something like that happening again? And and what uh, what can we do about that? Yeah. So uh, what your very reliable friend is referencing, and I know it's just. By your friend, you mean yourself. You looked this up. This is me. I looked it up, and I'm telling you too from from very yeah, but yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I believe the year was 1856, but I could be could get the year wrong. There was a massive solar flare. Astronomers around the world knows the sun got super super bright, and shortly thereafter, uh, telegraph operators were getting shocked, like literally electrically shocked. Wow. And uh, there was a measurement I, uh, by John Carrington, who, who put all the pieces together. And so we call it the Carrington event in his, yeah. in his honor, who realized that when the sun flared, it sent out what's called a coronal mass ejection, which is a giant vomitous ball of sun plasma okay. that races through the solar system. And it hit the earth and dumped its all of its electromagnetic energy on the earth. If it happened today, I don't know if it would overwhelm our electrical systems. That's a little bit uh, tricky to say. Yeah. But it was by far the most powerful electromagnetic storm ever recorded. Presumably, this has happened for millennia, but we didn't exactly have electrical systems to be able right. to see this. Right. Yeah. Uh, but then, like a few years after we developed the the telegraph, we're starting getting shocked. There has not been anything that strong since. And in fact, for the past hundred years, yeah. the uh, activity on the sun, the sunspot activity, the flare activity, the uh, coronal mass ejection activity, all of it has been steadily getting weaker and weaker for the past hundred years. We have no idea why. Hmm. Interesting. So less and less. So it's becoming less likely. Exactly. For now. Uh, but you know what? <laughs> the sun tomorrow could decide, you know, tomorrow's a new day. The sun could just like, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back, baby. <laughs> Hold my beer. Uh, ball of fire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Wow, that's, that's fascinating. Okay, all right. Last one. Last okay. one. Last right, one. Last I love one. it. I love this, it. I, got, I wish uh, I could talk to Paul forever because no, this I, is one of my favorite subjects well, in the that's world. That's the thing. I feel like we're, I hope we're asking decent questions. Our audience will, well, you know what we'll do? We'll, you we'll, know we're not we're asking decent questions. We're going to have to have questions. you back and the next time we'll, we'll, our audience will yell at us and say, here's what you didn't ask, you jerks. Yeah. Next time ask. And then that we'll, works. we'll try it all yeah. again. We'll try it all again. Now he's a friend of the Biofilling Podcast. That's right. It's official. So you're Once stuck. you're in, you, yeah. have no, you have no choice whether you want to be friends with us or not. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Both. It's both. It's a mixed bag. It's a real mixed bag because yeah. you're stuck that's with fair. Noel and I. So yeah, that's the downside. The yeah. upside is is, is, is is the world will love you. Yes. Yeah. That's absolutely. The, that's absolutely. Absolutely. The upside. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead with your um, question. Okay. So what? All right. In terms of traveling out of the solar system, mm-hmm. you've got to go. Here's the thing that that the distance is always blown me away right like it's just to get out to pluto takes a very 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 long time (sighs) forever man forever right yeah and then to get to the closest closest star we're talking four light years right we don't Mm -hmm. really go very that that fast we don't go even close to to that speed no so do you think there's ever like are we ever going to figure that out get to the point where we can (laughs) we actually will be able to send something or someone out to the next closest solar system that's that far away no no yeah. Yeah. No, we're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. We're stuck. Star travel is tough. It's yeah. tough. Yeah. Uh, the Voyager probes, uh, New Horizons, you know, all the probes that are on escape trajectories. If they were aimed at the next nearest star, Alpha Centauri, and they're not, yeah. but if they were, it would take them like forty thousand years to reach there. 
Yeah. Wow. Uh, there have been proposals. There's this uh, light sail star shot initiative idea. Yeah. You know, some Russian millionaires pouring a bunch of money into this. Yeah. The idea is to develop and build a kilometer wide solar sail, like yeah. highly reflective sail, put it on space, then build the world's most powerful laser. Yeah. Mm. which would require the entire energy output of every nuclear reactor in the United States. Okay. Uh, okay. Operating for 15 minutes solid, which is approximately a trillion, trillion times longer than our most powerful lasers are capable of. Okay. Uh, shoot it at that. Uh, shoot it at it for 10 to 15 minutes. It would accelerate that spacecraft to a tenth of the speed of light, and it would reach the Alpha Centauri system on a flyby in about 40 to 50 years. In order to do that, if you have that amount of energy, that amount of lasers, <laughs> and your, you can actually build the thing and shoot the laser, and nothing blows up, and no one takes over the world with it. Right. And then you have your giant one-kilometer um, uh, solar sail and it's almost perfectly reflective so it doesn't melt when the giant laser shoots at it uh right. in order to do that your spacecraft has to weigh no more than a paperclip wow wow so we can so you know in a hundred years we might be able to send paperclips to other stars <laughs> how okay. exciting will that be when they get it the paperclip be. though when yeah. it lands when they They'll finally like, hey, get it. yeah we did what it. is this <laughs> yeah what is this thing? <laughs> what about the wrinkle in time idea of folding space and things like that is this a uh, is this ridiculous? It's like <laughs> the pause. Yeah, he's like, well, it's a book. It's a science fiction book by Madeline Madeline Lingle. Yeah, that's no. the one. That's yeah. the one. Okay, so so we're here for a while at least yeah. until we get to get better ideas as to yeah, as enjoy well last folks. Yeah, yeah. 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 got about a hundred million years. Hundred million years. <laughs> the sun's gonna get too hot. Yeah, yeah. Unless we get Bruce Willis. To yeah. crash your robot yeah. into, oh, yeah. into Mars. Into it, Mars, and then yeah. it's on. And if you can get Bruce Willis onto a paperclip and send him on, then we'll, yes. maybe we'll be able to uh, uh, A paperclip-sized Bruce Willis. A paperclip-sized right. Bruce, Bruce Willis. Is too big. Willis. Yeah. That's, we're going to go into... We upload his consciousness to a paperclip. We're going to wow. go to Universal Studios and pitch this. We're going to say we get a paperclip-sized Bruce Willis. Yeah. We send him into space. That is wonderful. Sold. Yes. Soundtrack by Kenny Loggins. Thank you so much for coming in here and, yes. and talking nonsense with us. We yes. really appreciate it. Oh, this it. was yeah. so much fun. Thank you again for having me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, sure. And uh, this is the part, point in the show where we do our tags. We close out. We always give our guests the opportunity to stick around. That's right. We have tags. We have tags at the end of the show. So you can stick around or you can bail. It's whatever you want to do. We just kind of close out the show with our tags. All so, right. Unfortunately, I do need to go. He's no gotta worries. Go. We get it. You know have, what? Have you have probably lovely... you'll remember us more fondly this way. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair, fair. All right, Paul, Paul Sutter, pmsutter.com. Check him out. He's got an, a lot of great videos and books out there that you can read. He's a very smart dude. We're so honored that you came on the show today. So thanks for joining us. We'd love to have you back. And all the best to you out there in outer space. In space land. Yeah, in space land. <laughs> uh, good luck on Earth, folks. Thank you. All right. We'll awesome. see you, Paul. See Take you, Paul. care. Bye. Bye. Well, that was one of the coolest guests we've I mean, ever had. I mean, one of the coolest. It, I mean, about it. not to slight all the other awesome guests we've had. We've well, had you amazing said one of. One of. For all, you could be talking about all of them at once. Yeah, you're right. Because they all are one Th of. Thank you for saving my butt. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. He was terrific, though. Terrific. That was fun. I mean, look, I could talk about space and space travel and planets all day. Oh. And I learned it. I love how blunt he was, too. It's yeah, like, he was. So are we, can nope. we get to Alpha Centauri? No. 
No. No, you can't. No. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Even if we build the super laser, that's every single nuclear power plant I think on that's, all of them. I think America. it's, impo- I think it's important. Pointed at a sail that has to somehow reflect all of that energy. <laughs> you could move a paperclip. <laughs> uh, sometimes you just need that level of honesty, right? Yeah. Like, you need yeah. to just be like, uh, look, I think I think that would be great if we could get there, but I don't think we're going to be able to get there. Yeah, yeah. Until somebody figures something out. Well, so. that's, I mean, we're going to have to improve the way we're yeah. thinking about it. Obviously, I mean, that's what yeah. that tells me. It's that we're just, yeah. we're not... We're not mentally even close enough to no. the idea. But no. you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Good times. This episode was sponsored by the Travel Bureau for Venus, uh, <laughs> reminding you that I'm your Venus, I'm your fire, I'm your desire. Yes. Um, no, but we are your beacon of light in a gloomy environment. Carefully avoiding neonicotinoids. We are the Siegfried and Roy of podcasts. <laughs> I'm laughing because the next one is this show. It's, this, this show is garbage. This show is garbage. Uh, this show is, no, it's it's not. This it's show something garbage. like it's that. It was show, like a joke. This show is a this joke. This show's a this show joke. is a joke. It has to be said with so much disdain, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This show's a joke. I like that we said garbage. It's, it's like this show is garbage. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. Well, All that's right. It. Cheerio. It's the Bio-Friendly Podcast. It's the Bio-Friendly Podcast.